You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with Laura and Chloe. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have both of you on the show, and you're both going to be speaking at Shift in 2024. Really looking forward to it. Before we dive into the discussion today, how about we take 30 seconds just to introduce yourself? So let's start with you, Chloe. All right. Uh, my name is Chloe Moore. I'm the founder of Financial Staples, uh, which is a virtual fee-only financial planning firm. Uh, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, and I primarily work with uh, tech employees. Excellent. Laura? Yes. Hi, I'm Laura LaTourette, and I work with LGBTQ community for the most part. I'm in a hybrid RIA, and the name of my firm is Family Wealth Management Group. I'm up here nestled in the North Georgia mountains, but I do work remote all over the country. Both of you have very specific practices. I know you've spent time figuring out who you want to work with, how you want to run your practice. But behind all of that, there's always the why story. One of the best parts of being a financial planner is we truly get to pick what we want to do, the kind of people we want to serve with. And, you know, there, there's not a lot of professions that give us that latitude, but we're, we're allowed to do that in this industry. And really it's encouraged in most areas. So I would love to hear the stories of why you decided to serve the people that you're serving and what really the motivations were. So Chloe, how about we start off with you on that? Sure. So I've been in the industry for about 19 and a half years. And so the first half of my career I worked with mostly mostly affluent clients. Um, I spent a, a good bit of my time at a trust company uh, where I worked with a kind of multi-generational uh, wealthy families. And so I, I didn't find as much satisfaction uh, in the work that I was doing. Uh, it was definitely challenging. I learned a lot about estate planning and trust planning, uh, tax planning, things like that. Uh, but I really just felt like I was kind of helping rich people get richer. And so I wanted to, the opportunity to work with people like myself. Uh, and, and we didn't we didn't have that opportunity to work with people who were building wealth and in those early stages in their careers. Uh, so, you know, that with a combination of just also early in my career being mostly the only black female advisor uh, in every company I worked for, you know, just kind of led me to to leave that environment and start my own firm. Uh, so now I work with uh, young professionals uh, that are tech employees, and most of my clients are you know, very similar to me. Uh, they're you know, just er in their early parts of their careers or mid parts, mid stages of their careers. Um, a lot of my family or a lot of my clients are the first in their family to graduate from college or make this much money. Um, they didn't grow up with a lot of you know, resources and, and people to help them make financial decisions. And so I, I really enjoy being that guide for them and helping them. Uh, take basically their their high salaries, their equity, and all of these great things that they're receiving uh, to start building wealth for that first generation. Leaving a job where I'd imagine a lot of the week is pretty well laid out to go to open your own business where when you're starting, well, there is no week to lay out, right? Because you're literally going out starting from scratch. That, that That's a pretty intense experience. So can you talk a little bit maybe about what that was like to leave the job to start the business? Yeah, I'd say the hardest part for me is everywhere I've worked uh, before I started my own firm, I was a salaried employee and I was not in charge of business development. 
Uh, So it was a big learning curve for me to transition to being a business owner and also being responsible for all of my marketing, all of my sales. Um, I never sat in on a prospect meeting. I was pretty much passed on the clients once they decided to work with the firm. Uh, So so that that was the biggest you know shift for me. It was just kind of understanding you know how all of that works in the process. Uh, luckily, I've worked at small companies, and so I I did I was able to see like all of the different pieces that are involved uh, in running a firm, such as you know compliance and operations, and uh, you know just all of those good practice management skills, uh, in addition to financial planning and investment management. Uh, so that was helpful. But I'd say my biggest shift was just kind of managing my time and understanding the importance of marketing and sales. Yeah. And that, that is, that is definitely a challenge. I, I don't know if it's intuitive for advisors, especially because we're such practitioners and we're technicians and we need to be technically proficient and we want to be CFPs. And then we have to go into this world of marketing where in general, you're not going to talk a lot about what you actually do and how you do it. And, you know, I, I know I've struggled with that over the years and uh, eventually I think I'm going to get good at it. Uh, I'm better. I'm not quite going to say I'm good. <laughs> I've gotten good at it, but we'll see how that how that works down the road. Now, Laura, let, let's uh, shift over to you. You also have a practice that you built on purpose. Uh, you've been doing it for quite a while, like myself. So I'm sure it's evolved over time. But you know, there probably was a driver early on where you said, "This is what I have to be doing." Can you take us maybe back to that moment and tell us your story? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, So I was in telemarketing way back when in the 80s and um, really learned a lot about process and sales and marketing and um, details. And so I also was an entrepreneur very young, very young. I left home uh, at a very young age. I was about 15 when I divorced my parents and went into foster care. So I've, I've been on my own a long time. So When I was in telemarketing, I worked with some insurance agents, helping them set up um, some of their um, sales practices and things like that. And then in the 90s, decided to get licensed in insurance and started there. Well, I also came out lesbian. So I was married to a wonderful man, had the perfect life, two kids, two dogs, a cat, a nice house and all those things, but I was not happy on the inside. So I came out authentically to him and he and I were going to stay together till the kids got out of school. Well, lo and behold, that doesn't always work out. You know, you meet the person of your dreams and all of a sudden you're going to change your life and be authentic to everyone. Um, so I did that in the 90s, 94. I met my wife, Susan, and we've been together almost 30 years So when I came out as lesbian to everyone in the world, I decided I had to start my own business because I couldn't, you know, um, take his retirement or split our assets. I didn't think that was fair. And we were going to move to the mountains where we live now. um, And I started over. So I just started one client at a time. Um, Thank goodness my wife did work and we got a little bit of child support to help support us income wise. Um, we were very frugal the way that, you know, we had spent money and things like that. So I just grew a person at a time. And I guess because I've always been that person who, you know, I don't have like simple conversations. I have deep conversations and I have trusting relationships. And so I just worked with people I liked that I trusted that trusted me. 
and um, and have built it from scratch that way. So now they call it a lifestyle practice um, that I didn't know what I was building back then. I was just building it around who I am as a person, you know, and, and who did I like and how did I want to spend my day? Um, I'm a gardener and, and we live on a small farm and we grow our own you know, vegetables and herbs and things. And so I don't want to work 80 hours a day. And I don't want to work with someone who's got that expectation of me. So I work with a lot of scrappy entrepreneurs. I work with a lot of professors, which is interesting. We live in a small um, community and there's a university here. So we have a lot of professors as clients, lots of LGBTQ and also allies. And, and I feel like I'm kind of a bridge for the allies to help them understand how to become more advocates for LGBTQ. So um, I've been blessed with a, a community here and building this, this practice just one client at a time. We do a lot of financial planning first uh, because I think that's the important way to start building the relationship. And then sometimes we take assets under management if there are some. Um, so we don't have a minimum or anything like that. And we're technically called fee-based because I also will have some insurance products if I need to. So we kind of um, do it all for folks is is what we do here. I, I know we've come a long way in the industry. I remember, and I'll, I'll just do the quick story, 20 years ago when I got my first non-traditional clients and it was two ladies. And I, I remember, you know you're a geek when... Um, I was so excited because the laws did not support what they yeah. wanted and I had to figure out how to do it. And I actually, you know, my heart rate goes up because it was, it was fascinating. There really wasn't much support back then, but we had to figure out they wanted X, Y, Z. The law said it, it's not designed for that. And we had to figure it out. Now, fast forward 20 years, we, we've definitely come a long way, but I feel that just recently we're starting to actually see data. And, and by that, I mean, I was at a conference last week, our Wealth at Work conference, and uh, somebody did a presentation and they actually pulled out LGBTQ and then talked about demographics and financial data. And I remember taking a picture of the screen and then I looked and saw the picture's terrible. That's not going to work. So now I'm typing out notes on it. You didn't really have the data 10 years ago or 20 years ago to be able to address that. And that's something I think is so important for our profession. So are you also seeing that there's really a lot of progress being made there? And we're, we're getting some insight as professionals on how to serve that community? You know, I think that we're starting to get that information. We do have some data now. I think one of the issues we have are we're invisible. You know, the advisors, the professionals who are LGBTQ have to self-identify. Not everybody is comfortable with that. Um, or they will identify in a small group of people, but not nationally. So it's hard to find us. And consumers, although they want LGBTQ advisors in financial services, are still having a hard time finding us or even fully trusting with the relationship. So that's what we're seeing, you know, on the inside. I think part of it is, you know, there are some parts of the country where it's not safe to be out and, and you are in some issues with discrimination and with, you know, um, some issues about no matter how good a professional you are, um, you will have some ridicule. So um, I know here in the South, that's one of the issues I deal with all the time. And and to me, I didn't want to 
have any clients that had an issue with my lifestyle. But I think sometimes when I talk to advisors who are on the West Coast or in other areas where there are more prevalent LGBTQ advisors or people living, they don't think it's a problem anymore. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's a problem in a lot of states. You know, there's a lot going on right now with legislation and a lot of money being poured into some of the things that are definitely against us um, in a lot of ways. So, you know, I think we're starting to see some things. I think we're starting to see um, how we bring LGBTQ into the conversation and keep normalizing it. But I think it still takes people like myself to be a disruptor. I still think we have to take leadership positions. I still think we need to keep the conversation going, um, if not for ourselves, for, for others who are still coming up behind us. And I agree. It's important to keep the conversation going, but in many cases, we have to start the conversation. So that means podcast interviews, sessions at conferences. If you have a platform, you got to be able to use it and, and definitely get the word out there. Yeah. So Chloe, how about we we shift back to you? I, I know both of you are doing a presentation at Shift and, and I don't want to spoil all the nuggets that uh, you're going to bring and that you're going to share, but how about you just take one topic that you're going to talk about, something that you're going to make sure is included in your presentation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as as Laura said, we both you know, have these practices that allow us to live our lives authentically um, and also allow us to to spend our time you know, the way we want and work with people that we enjoy working with. Uh, so, so we'll definitely share a lot of uh, just best practices with how we built our businesses, um, some of the other fun projects and things that we're working on to help support um, our communities and the people that that we want to support in the industry as well. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Laura, how about you? Anything you're going to make sure is included in the presentation? I always like to give, um, you know, like a, a call to action. You know, I want more LGBTQ people out in leadership positions and really stepping up in the industry to keep the the conversation going, I guess. I, you know, I'm just really an advocate for that. And I'm in my 60s. So I'm being really intentional because I don't plan to be here forever. And I've got succession on my mind now. So I'm really looking forward to continuing to meet people who are interested in having LGBTQ part of the conversation always. And that, you know, maybe by the time I retire, it's no big deal to talk about it anymore. Well, appreciate the effort. Thanks to both of you for not just being on the show, but coming, presenting, sharing, having the discussion. I'm uh, pretty sure you're going to have a packed room at SHIP. This is a topic that's come up frequently uh, on my end. So we're looking forward to having both of you out there. Chloe, Laura, thanks for being on the show and we will see you at SHIFT. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to SHIFT with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.